Awesome. Who's been enjoying our series on God is? Yep. Well, guess what? I'm sorry to announce, but today is the last message in the God is series. We won't say, oh. No, I just need more, more, more. Um, you know, one of the things that I've said time and time again during this series is the reason that it's so vital for us to know who God is is because once we know who God is, it helps us to truly understand who we are. And Mao shared that really powerfully with us last week when he talked about God is dad and we are his children, which is really significant. And so with following that in mind, and I'm thinking, well, God, what, how do you want to bring this to a close? Uh, I, I sort of worked out that, and Lois was actually trying to get it out of me before the service. She's like, what is this? What's today's God is? Um, and so I, I, I prayed and I said, God, how do you want to finish it? And he gave me a very simple coming together and I hope it will bring it together, especially with that mindset of if we know who God is, then we know who we are. And uh, with that m- mindset, today's topic is God is God. Not good, it's God. God is good, yes, but no, today God is God. Now you might go, well, that's pretty obvious, Ben, like God is God. But the reality is, I think sometimes in our modern society, in modern Christianity, especially in Western Christianity, sometimes we, we have humanized God so much that we have forgotten his divine nature. We've forgotten that he is God. We've, you know, and it's a wonderful thing that God became a human to show us himself but in that reality, sometimes we forget that he is God. And uh, this is really important because understanding the full meaning of who God is, is really important for us to know who we are. And so as Christians, knowing God is God simply comes from the starting point that God is the beginning of everything. Revelation 22:13 says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This is the idea that God is the beginning of everything, he is the end of everything, he is everything in between. That our God is everything. And so if this is the starting point of Christianity, then for us to understand that God is God, it makes needs for us to understand that we only exist because God is God. We cannot exist outside of that. We exist because God is God. And it explains it in Colossians 1.17 when it says, all things were created through him, talking about God, Jesus, and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. There's a lot of alls in that passage. So the idea there is that Everything exists and consists in God. This is why it is so important for us to understand God is God. I'm just going to pray. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are wanting to reveal to us a new understanding of who you are today. And I pray that this would go past just our minds, but it would get into our spirits and become a part of our understanding of who you are 
And through that, we might even understand more clearly who you created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if we go back to the Old Testament in the Bible, the Jews were very, very clear on this idea that God is God. Now, in that time, we, if you read about that time, there were many cultures, and all the cultures had their gods. They, they had gods for everything. They, they had gods for the sun, and they had gods for the moon, and they had gods for rain, and they had gods for harvest, and they had gods for, dare I say, fertility. And they, and they would pray to these gods and look to these gods for help in these different areas. But the Jews were a bit different from all the other cultures. Because the Jews were the only culture that believed in only one God who encompassed everything. And the exciting thing about what the Jews believed is that they had many different names and expressions of God, of how they would see him. But the interesting thing is that when they got these names and titles, they actually got them straight from God that God would reveal himself to men and women and all of a sudden as who he is and they would have a, a new name or a new description for him. Take, for example, Abraham, that God came to him uh, in the form of Melchizedek and, and revealed to him a new part of God. Um, Moses was the one who went up to Mount Sinai and got the Ten Commandments and God revealed himself to Moses. And, and even a couple of weeks ago, I, I shared about Gideon and how God came to him as peace. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. And this, this is the thing about the Jews, is when they thought of God, they, they thought of him in a way that he was to be revered and worshipped, that he was to be the centerpiece of everything they did. Their culture and their lives were to revolve around him. Uh, I'll share with you, a scripture that many of us know, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5, where God declares to them, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, soul, and with all your might. So this idea is that God is at the center point. He is, there is one God and you worship him alone and, and he is to be the center of every part of your life. I'll give you another example in Deuteronomy 10, verse 17 to 18. It says, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. So there's no partiality there, Linda. So he loves all our voices the same. <laughs> he doesn't see, hear others and... He doesn't hear me and think, oh, that's terrible, Ben. And then hears Tyson and think, oh, that's beautiful. He hears me and says, Ben, you're just as good as Tyson. Um, he accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. And he loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And so the Jews understood this fact about God, is that he was to be revered, he was to be worshipped, he was to be the centre point of their lives, that their culture would revolve around him. That's why you have the laws and, and all of those things, that the festivals, and all to remind them, as we do with communion, all to remind them of who God was. Now, 
with, with that in mind, they had many names for God. And I'm just going to go through a few of them with you just to show you the names they used to describe God. But in, in it, I want you to understand that in all of these names, they're declaring that God is God, that he is above all, he is high, the highest, the most high. He's all these things so that we get a feel for the fact that God is God. So the first name, the first name ever used for God in the Bible in Genesis one is in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heaven and earth. So Elohim is the first name we ever get for God, and it's that idea that he is the creator. In that aspect, it means that he is the giver of life and everything we have. So it all, basically, everything comes from him. I know I'm, I'm pushing this case, but I want you to get the sense of who God is. He's God. It starts with him, it ends with him, and, he, and it all comes from him. The next name is El Elyon, God Most High. So you think of the highest most thing that you can think of, and God is higher than that. So it says in Genesis 14, 18 to 20, this is when God comes to Abraham, and it says, And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Very interesting, bread and wine, communion type of thing. That many um, theologians see Melchizedek as a Christophany. Uh, Christophany meaning a, a expression of Christ before Christ came in his fullness of humanness. So they, they believe that this is what that is, is God is revealing himself to humankind. And he says, um, where am I? Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was a priest of El Elyon, God the Most High. And he blessed him, Abraham, and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, El Elyon, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So you see straight there that Abraham is blessed of El Elyon. So anything that Abraham has is a blessing from the Most High God. Another interesting one is, another interesting name is El Roy, which means God who sees. You like that? God who sees. And right now, wherever you are at, God sees you. And the story here is in Genesis 16, the story of Hagar, Abraham's serv maidservant who he had a child with. And he's now sent her off into the wilderness with this child basically to die and God sees her. And then it says, Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are Elroy, God who sees. For she said, I have even remained alive here after seeing him. Therefore the well was called that name, the well of the living one who sees me. This is so incredible, this story, is that she's been sent off and she cries out to God and God sees her and helps her. And this is, again, who can do that other than God? The next name is one that's very well known, El Shaddai, God Almighty, or God the All-Sufficient One. And uh, in Genesis 17, 1 and 2, again talking about Abraham, it says, when Abraham was 99 years old the Lord appeared to him and said I am God Almighty El Shaddai walk before me faithfully and be blameless 
then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. So again, it's God Almighty. It's God the All-Sufficient One. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment, but He is everything we need. There is, he is more than sufficient to all our requirements and all our needs. Another one the Jews used very commonly, oops, I went too far, is Adonai, Lord or Master. In Exodus 4 verses 10 to 17, it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. For I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And the Lord, Adonai, said to him, Who has made men's mouths? Is it not I, the Lord, Adonai, the master? So in that moment, Moses is talking about everything that he lacks. And the Lord, Adonai, God, tells him, Haven't I made your mouth? Even the mouth that you have on your face, I have given to you. So can't I look after you in that situation? This is uh, the God we serve, the God who is God. God is God because he is all that we need. He sees us, he's most high, he's almighty, he's Lord and Master. And finally, he is Yahweh. Now you see the first part is W-H-Y-H-W-H. Um, and the Jews didn't even want to pronounce this name. They wouldn't pronounce it because it was so holy. It represented God's holy covenant name. It's that moment, and we'll read it in just a moment, that I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. And there's this sense of God's self, the God the self-existent one. And the story is there in Exodus where Moses said to God, look, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What am I to tell them? And this is the first time we ever hear this name. And God said to Moses, reveals himself to Moses as, I am he who is. Tell them that I am who I am sent you. Very powerful this idea of I am is that this self-existence. And from that place, we've developed this word Jehovah, and the Jews use that, this name to describe the Lord who in many different ways, and I've listed them all there, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, or I am will provide. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner. Jehovah that one. Who can say that for me? Mekodishkim, the Lord who sanctifies you. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. And Jehovah Sedekenu, the Lord our saving justice. How good is that? How good is that? These, these names to describe God, but this is it. The, the Jews understood that he was God and that everything that in Anything they could, any way they could describe him was to show that everything they had was given to them by him. Everything came from him. Now the key thing that we need to realize with this name Yahweh or Jehovah is that God is self-existent. And I don't want you to get offended by this, but guess what? 
God doesn't need you. God doesn't need us. He is self-existent, which simply means that he doesn't need anything. He is whole within himself. He is completely eternal. And the incredible thing is that he has always existed and he always will exist. This is God. The God who is God is the self-existent one. And this is where it gets exciting for us because even though God was self-existent or is self-existent, not was, but is, he chose to create us in his image. So the Bible tells us that the self-existent one, out of his love or his creative power, chose to create us in his image. And because of his nature and because of his character, the thing that we need to understand is that he is fully committed to his creation no matter what. This is what the exciting gospel of the good news is all about. Is that God, everything we have, everything that is and around us and us is a product of God. And God is fully committed to his creation. Let me read you a scripture in Deuteronomy 7, 9, which explains this really powerfully. Know therefore that the Lord your God is what? He's God. He is God. He is God Almighty. He is God above everything. He is God Most High. He is Master Lord. He is all of these things. And then it goes on to say, and he is faithful. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. So this is our God. This is the God who is God. He is faithful. He is committed. He is all these things that we've just talked about. And so everything that we have comes from him. So if God is God, what does it make us is my question for us right now. And the Bible is full of illustrations and analogies of how this works. We'll just look at them now. We think, look at it here. God is the creator, Elohim, and that means we are the created. God is the Lord, Adonai, the king, the master, he's described as, and we are his subjects or his disciples. God is the shepherd, if you remember that. I can't remember which one it was. Yahweh Ra or Jehovah Ra. If God is the shepherd, then what does that make us? His sheep. Very good. You're all listening. This is exciting. God is the potter. It means the Bible talks about God being the potter, and that means we are his clay. We are his workmanship. We are the ones that he is molding and, and, and bringing through to our full purpose. The Bible describes God as the gardener. That makes us his garden. Anyone excited about that? Jesus talked about him being the vine. It means we are his branches, he explains. As Mao said last week, God is the father and we are his children. And it also talks about in the Bible that God is the head and we are his body. But if I was to sum all that up, I haven't even exhausted all of them, but if I was to put it all into a way to explain the God who is God, what, who is he? I would simply say it as this. God is the source. God is the source. 
And let me say this, and we are to be dependent upon him as our source. The fact is God's role and his plan was always to be our source, our provider of everything. And our role, or dare I say the way he created us to be, was to be dependent upon him, to rely upon him as our source. God's role is to provide and our role is to receive. Think about it. God gave breath and Adam breathed in life. Isn't that right? God gave them the garden. God gave, gives us the earth and we are to live in it and enjoy it. Our role and God's plan was always for us to be dependent on him and for him to provide all our needs. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. This is the important thing we need to understand and, and we need to get into our hearts is God never created us to be self-sufficient. He never created us to be independent. Those things are a, a result of sin. God created us to always be reliant upon him. And this is the incredible thing is that we find our purpose when we understand that we were created to be connected to God. We find our purpose when we realize that we need to depend on him. Because when we are connected to God, we discover our purpose is to know God and to glorify him in the way we live our lives. As we say here as a church, we glorify God we glorify God by living our lives the way Jesus lived. And this is the whole concept, is that sadly, since that time when sin came into the earth, we've been sold this lie that to be strong, you need to be self-sufficient. To be strong, you need to do everything you can to be independent, to not rely on anyone else. This is the idea that, that the world tells us is those who can be independent and strong and self-reliant, then they're, they're the ones who have made it. But that's not how God created it to be. We need to understand that God created us to need him. And let me say this, and I, I really want you to understand this because it's okay to acknowledge you need God. So often we try so hard, oh, just, I'm just going to, do this and I'm going to try the hardest in my own strength to do it and then God will be happy with me. It's not how it works. God wants you to come to him. God wants you to acknowledge, I can't do this. It's too hard, God. I'm struggling here. I'm falling short. I'm, I'm, this is, he doesn't want you to say, oh, I'm just going to make him happy by showing him I can do this on my own. No, he wants you to come to him. He wants us to need him. He created us to need him. We need to stop trying to do it in our own strength. We need to let God help. The Bible describes this as God gives grace to the humble, but resists the proud. And the idea there is that the humble are those that acknowledge who they are. The humble are those that say, I am God's created. I am a sheep. He is the shepherd. I need him. And when we acknowledge that, we're being humble. And God says, then in that moment, I can give you help. 
But if you're too proud and you say, I'm going to do this on my own, I'm, going to, I'm strong enough, I'm, I'm capable enough, I'm independent enough, I'm self-sufficient enough, I'll do it myself. God can't help you because you, you're literally resisting his help. And so this is what God wants us to do is this idea of who we are in God is he is the shepherd, we are the sheep. He is the creator, we are the created. Understand who we are and from that place we acknowledge our need for him. I'll take you a little bit deeper, explain this a little bit more because yes, our purpose when we understand is to be connected to God but we also need to understand that being connected to God also gives us our identity. Um, the Bible teaches us really clearly that we were created in his image or are created in his image. And we know that our source gives us identity. So a gold mine gives you what? Ah. So the source of gold is from a gold mine. You don't get gold from a coal mine. I don't know, you might find it if you're lucky. But you get gold. So the source gives us our identity. I remember a few years ago, we, the first time we went to Europe, um, as most of you know, I'm Italian from background, born in Australia to two Italian parents and uh, grew up with some Italian culture, but not a lot. Never learned to really speak Italian, understood it a bit. And, and I was, always had this unusual tension with my heritage. I like, I like being Italian, but I also didn't like being Italian for, for some reason that I don't understand now. But I went to Italy about 10 years ago now for the first time ever. And, I, and I, when we literally, we got on a train from Switzerland to Milan and the train was an Italian train and literally just going into the drinks car and asking for a coffee and they pulled out a little espresso in a paper cup and I drank it and I just felt, I feel like I'm at home. <laughs> this is, this is uh, amazing. This is just... And, and then you, we got to Milan and then we got, and it was chaotic and it was crazy. Julie hated it. It was just not as ordered as England, but it was just beautiful. There was organized chaos. And, and, I, and we went to Venice and I just thought, this is amazing. The, the time we went to Naples was even better, but I just felt at home. I felt... And ever since then, even since then, I've probably uh, engaged my Italian culture more than ever. I make pizza now. I do, and I just, it's just good. And I ask my mum about how to do things and stuff because it's just, it's a part of my identity. And uh, it's really crucial what we connect to because what we connect to gives us our identity. Like a, and... And so I've got this example for you. You might have wondered why I have this vacuum cleaner hose. I, was, I should have asked you that actually first. What is this? <laughs> a vacuum cleaner hose. We all know that, don't we? And, and it's really cool. But the reality is I could come across this hose that's, you don't think it's cool? You've probably never used one of these, Damo. <laughs> so, uh, oh. Oh, oh. Um, <laughs> so I could come across this sitting on the ground here and go, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what I could use that for. Maybe it's a musical instrument. <laughs> that Don't do that. That's not right. 
Um, it didn't sound very good, did it? No, someone might be able to make it work, but maybe I could use it to water the plants and try to connect it to a tap, maybe? Maybe I've got a problem with my car and it could be a radiator hose, I don't know. What, what else could it be? What, any ideas? What? Other than a vacuum cleaner. The reality is, we all know it's a vacuum cleaner hose, but out here all on its own, disconnected from the vacuum cleaner, it's really, oh, that's hard words. <laughs> she said useless, which is probably pretty true. It's probably pretty true. But, oh, lo and behold, there's a vacuum cleaner over here. Just over here we have a vacuum cleaner. If I connect this hose to the vacuum cleaner, Oh, and turn on the power. Ah. I won't vacuum because it's, <laughs> it doesn't need vacuuming. But it all of a sudden, it's discovered its identity. Once it's connected to the source, all of a sudden it all makes sense. And this is the reality is, for us, our true identity is to be children of God. The problem is, because of sin, we became disconnected from God. And when, when we're disconnected from God, our source, it eats away at your worth and your value. You try to connect with stuff to try to find value. You try to connect with, so I'll connect with a career and that will give me value and I'll, I'll know what I, I'm, I exist for. And you, but then so often you feel some still empty inside or you try to connect with a relationship if I get married and I meet the right person then I'm going to be okay and I'm going to know what who I am and my identity and what I was created for because the basic thing they tell us is there's two things our two basic needs are to be loved and to have value and worth or to have purpose and we try to find it in all sorts of things and dare I say, some people try to find it in, in things like drugs and addictions and things like that. And, and they, they think, oh, this is, will help me find out who I am and what I exist for. But they've come up empty. And all these things we can even become enslaved to and because they're not what we were created for. The Bible is really clear that we were created to be God's children. We were created to be a part of his family. And so he is the source. So the incredible thing is God made it possible for us to reconnect to him. Through Jesus coming as a human like you and I, dying on the cross, paying for our sins, we can now be connected to God. And this is the incredible thing that we need to understand is that we were made to be connected to God. You won't find your true identity until you connect yourself to God. You won't find your true purpose until you connect yourself to God, until you humble yourself and say, God, I need you. And that goes for anyone who's not a Christian here, but also it goes for anyone who is a Christian, that we need to be reminded that our life, our source is God, and we need to be connected to him all the time. We need to make sure we're connected. I just want to close. And I want to go through the, 
the different aspects of, of the different God is that we've gone through in the last eight or ten weeks and explain to you what these things mean for us when we understand who God is. And the different ones were, if you remember, God is faithful. If God is faithful, then we are never abandoned. Like that scripture I read to you before in Deuteronomy, that he will be faithful to a thousand generations. And this is what we need to understand. Our God who is God is faithful. And we are never abandoned. God is grace. And the exciting thing is we have help. God is love. And we have value. God is near, Benito preached. And he, I asked him, what, what should I put for God is near? And he said that we are seen. If God is near, think of that story of Hagar in the desert, abandoned. God saw her, heard her cry, and came and gave her help. That's our faithful God, our gracious God, our loving God, our God who is near. God is generous. And guess what? You are blessed. You are blessed. God is caring. And because God is caring, we need to understand that we are safe. He says, cast all your cares upon me for I care for you. Give it all to me and I will keep you safe. Matt talked about God is reconciliation. And the incredible thing about that is that once we were enemies of God, but because God is reconciliation, now we are friends of God. There is nothing between us and God any longer. He's done everything required to reconcile us to him. And so now we can stand here calling ourselves friends of God God is peace which means and now we have rest as Mal preached last week God is dead and we are his kids and finally God is God and he is everything we need God's plan was always to be our God and the incredible thing about our God is he became one of us. He did everything that was required so that we could have relationship with him again. In other words, he set things in order again. We no longer need to try to be self-sufficient and independent, try to be gods of our own life, but we can now rely upon him. We can acknowledge that we aren't everything. He is everything. And so we'll rely upon him. And I believe today God's invitation to us is to remember who he is and surrender our lives into his safekeeping. If I was to sum this all up with one scripture, the simple scripture is Psalm 46 verse 10, where God says to us, be still, stop running around. One Philip Yancey describes this and he says, Take a holiday from trying to be God of your life. Stop trying to be God of your life. Be still. Stop. And know that I am God. Why don't we bow our heads in prayer for a moment?
people here today, you need to hear that God is faithful. You're going through stuff and you you probably even maybe feel like God's abandoned you, but you need to know that God will never abandon you. He is the faithful God. People here that you need to hear that God is love and that you are valuable. He loved you so much. He saw so much value in you that he gave his very life for you. You can't get your value from anything else but God. Relationships won't give you value. A career, money, all of those things won't give you value. Your value can only, your true value can only be found in God. There's people here that you need to hear that God is peace. Because you're in all sorts of turmoil. And he comes to you and says, I am peace. Rest in me. Let me carry you. But ultimately, we all need to hear that God is God. We don't have to be in control. We just need to trust him. We just need to connect to him. We just need to put all our weight upon him. So today I'll invite you to do that today, to come to him and say, God, I put it all in your hands. I connect with you afresh. I acknowledge my need for you. So just in this moment, why don't you take a moment to do that, however you feel comfortable. Just take a moment to just put your life in his hands and acknowledge again that he is God and you are his child. Why don't you take a moment to do that? Lord God, I just pray for every person here, including myself, as you remind us that you are God, that you are God. The lie was sold to us that you were hiding stuff from us and that you didn't want us to know that we could be like God and sell us that lie that we can be gods of our own life. And God, we ask you to forgive us of those thoughts and those mindsets and help us to always remember that we are your children. We are your creation. We are your sheep. And you will never, ever abandon us. You are fully committed as God. And you are fully in control. And we can trust you no matter what we're going through right now. And so we put all our weight upon you we commit our whole lives to you afresh today and center our life around you, the God who is God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.